I'm Taz. And I'm Haz. And this, this is, is Spooky Time Tea, where we talk about everything real, fake, and in a lake. Taz's pronouns are they, them. My pronouns are she, her, she, they. Okay, okay. Are you excited? Because I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm, a, pretty excited I'm also here. a little bit excited because um, we're talking about it and Stephen King. So, you know, he's obviously one of the first uh, horror genre authors that I have read uh, since I was a kid. So I'm very excited to kind of delve into his character. I think that Stephen King is like the biggest, most well-known name in horror writing. Oh, So for like sure. whenever you think of horror novels, you're like, oh, Stephen King. And that I would love to sort of get into the whole how you become just like that kind of icon um well it kind of like started when he was a uh, like a teenager because in his autobiography which i've read um he talks about how horror has been has always been a big staple in his life so uh you know he wanted to create something that modeled his interests and his likes and so he always knew that he was a bit of a weird kid growing up and so I think with him coming up with all of these different books and obviously making the um the pen name the you know to kind of separate different series I think it plays a huge role in how he turned out as an author you know because he basically built himself from the ground up and made himself a staple in the horror community yeah and i feel like that is really going to appeal especially to a lot of our younger generation readers because horror is everywhere especially now and it's not what it used to be granted it's definitely not, not like it was but it's definitely developed in an interesting direction oh yeah because i mean looking back we have uh nosferatu uh we also have dracula and frankenstein and you know those books and those movies are obviously iconic and they're huge you know within the community and i think that almost everyone who is a part of this horror and slasher community um that kind of intakes all of this entertainment that we see um all of it is kind of modeled after the classics like that and so you know a lot of authors who are writing horror fictions like today um they gain a lot of their inspiration from the classics and I think without the classics we it wouldn't be as it is today like we wouldn't have um Texas Chainsaw Massacre we wouldn't have that we wouldn't have um Halloween anymore a true classic a true iconic classic it is but at the same time okay but at the same time Halloween in and of itself I feel like it was just such a dragged on kind of ser like a movie series you know what i mean and like yeah the middle parts the middle movies some of them really didn't make sense like they were kind of enjoyable but they really didn't stick to the whole 
um, to the whole babysitter plot thing. It was just really confusing all around. But we're not talking about Halloween. We're not talking about Nightmares on El Nightmare on Elm Street. We're not talking no, about no, Friday those the Thirteenth. Are going to be held for other episodes. Exactly. Today, uh, speaking on remakes, I would love to speak on the remake of it the oh, very God. first remake the Wait. one from 2017 because we all remember the original it yeah and i absolutely adored that movie it holds a special place in my heart sure because nobody can do it quite like tim carrey i promise <laughs> but i i hold a more passionate grasp mm -hmm. towards the 2017 remake. It I think more... you would know for obvious reasons. Yeah, it also <laughs> the 2017 setting, it just felt um, more modern. And it also felt a little yeah. bit more relatable because, um, That's because in, in my head, in my head, um, I don't perceive Pennywise as like a clown or like, like, yes, he you know turns into children's worst fear but like i the way that i oh, see fun pennywise fact. fun fact pennywise has pronouns she is a she her oh wow i never knew pennywise that. is a woman i never knew actually that. um in the book she laid eggs well yeah i knew that and she creates offspring um that was also preluded to Whoa. in the very first movie right um which sort of alludes to the sequels um i am very a very big fan of adding that into the movie um i don't i don't like what they did with a lot of the book throughout the original movie and the first remake mm. or the second remake but i do like that they sort of shined a light on a lot of characters that did not get to have that in the very first movie. Like an in-depth kind of explanation to their character. Like, Henry Bowers had more character development in the 2017 remake, and I absolutely adored that, because right. I find that Henry Bowers was more of the villain in this story than Pennywise could have ever been. Was that just because, like, his reign of terror on the kids? On the Losers game? Um, I think that it has to do with his upbringing and the reign of terror that he's causing, like, all around the town. Right. Like, especially with and the adults. And if it weren't for Henry, Pennywise would have never, ever had anything. Mm -hmm. Like, he would have been stealing children left and right. But Henry Bowers was really sort of like a like a focus point with Pennywise, and he just sort of worked through him with all of that built up anger from his drunk dad mm -hmm. and being beaten as a child. So and are his you, mother walked out on him. So are you saying that Henry Bowers, in a way, kind of created Pennywise? Saying that in a way, Henry Bowers is a little bit more responsible for the strength that Pennywise held over Derry. Mm -hmm. um, but back to my um, original point, I don't see Pennywise as like this being that turns into children's worst fear because they, he, she is that, right? But I see her as being more like, um, kind of like what, uh, you know, kids going down the road and they get kidnapped by people, by random people. 
You know what I mean? Because that is a real yeah. thing. So I think it definitely, like the movie and both the book kind of alluded to that. Like Pennywise does represent fear, but it also represents um, uh, children who have been kidnapped and have been victimized by adults that they've come across. You know what I mean? And a lot of people will say that, oh, well, what about the rule Stranger Danger? Well, the thing is, is that I think for me, Stranger Danger kind of ruined um, children's safety. And it's not because it's a bad thing. Because, I mean, children do need to learn not to be with strangers. But the thing is, is that they could be harmed by anyone, not just people that they don't know. So I think it definitely, yeah. it definitely kind of warped our sense because when a ch- when a child gets hurt by someone that they know, they probably nine times out of ten they won't come out about it because it's not a stranger. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. But um, back to the whole book. I think I think you have an excellent point. Henry Bowers is a lot more. Um, responsible for what happened in Derry and what happened to the Losers Club um, more than Pennywise probably ever was. Because I, I think genuinely that Henry, because of his anger and because of his past and all that resentment that he holds for not only adults, but for children who seemingly have a better life than he does, he his anger manifested itself into this creature. So it that preys upon kids, you know? But at the same time, I'm not sure. I'm like 50-50 on that, only because we have, it's been alluded that Pennywise was there since Derry had been founded. So what I really find um, a lot of resonance with about topics like that is that Henry Bowers didn't create Pennywise. Pennywise was already there. It's stated in the book that Pennywise was there um, before, like, the Big Bang and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So Pennywise has been around for forever. Right. But I feel like Pennywise had way more killings. It's stated in the books, in the movie... Um, that he had way more of a killing spree there during the era of Henry Bowers. And I feel like that's because Henry was such a focus point. There was so much anger to feed off of because it's easy to incite fear, but you can only scare kids so much with fictional things. Before they I feel start, like those like... children were scared of Henry Bowers way more than they could ever be scared of Pennywise because Henry Bowers was real. Right, because Henry Bowers could actually hurt them because, you know, um, when they woke up the next day, Pennywise was gone, but Henry was always still going to be there. So they still had that that sense of danger. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Henry was a big part of a lot of those children's development. Mm-hmm. I feel like he helped them 
get over their fears, whether he ever wanted to realize that or not. Right. Or and whether he wanted to eventually them. drive him to the loony bin. Or whether he which, wanted them to be, you know, stop being afraid. Yeah. And Pennywise did eventually drive Henry Bowers into the loony bin. Right. And we see that in the, in the, uh, what is it, the sequel? The sequel, the, the, yes. the movie that had just, not just, not just came out, but recently. Yes. Yeah. It chapter two, I would like to say, was fairly disappointing. Really? Um, I personally found it to be very disappointing. Um, simply because of some of the choices that they decided to make mm -hmm. which like they tied that in to choices that they made in the first remake right i i'm gonna say this and it might not come across the best with our audience at all okay but i do not like that they changed patrick's fear what do you mean pat patrick's fear in the movie was changed to zombies well, okay, when but... in fact patrick hockstetter was scared of nothing and no one aside from his own mortality right he was bitten by a leech when he was a small child in a lake mm -hmm. and he could feel his blood draining from him and that made him think about his own mortality which he had never even pondered on and that scared him and he didn't even realize before that point that he could even feel fear well so he just buried it in the back of his head well i think and then the refrigerator comes into play okay. in the book his death his very famous death is that he's going to his refrigerator in the junkyard and he opens it one day mm -hmm. and there is a swarm of flying leeches mm -hmm. pennywise takes the form of flying leeches right because that, that represents his mortality that he was ever scared of because it represented his own mortality right because patrick hockstetter has something called solipsism syndrome mm -hmm. what is that? which for those of our viewers that don't know also me solipsism, too. true true solipsism syndrome is um mostly correlated in layman's terms to a god complex oh um, okay so he truly believed himself to be immortal right unstoppable everybody around him was not real mm -hmm. everything around him was not real he was the only real thing in the universe to himself mm -hmm. i mean he killed his own little brother because he was scared that he might be real and grow up to kill him so he took care of it first and that is something that a lot of people don't know about patrick hockstetter is that he has all of this character development well and but that we weren't really shown so that character about the movie. we really weren't it, shown that character development within the book though we were you know, well not within the book but within the movie you know, I know, and that's what frustrates me it. so much about it, because he's such a complex character. He was so well built, mm -hmm. and there was so much that they could have done with him, but they didn't. Right. They put him as sort of like a side character with no lines, and I adore Owen T. He had a, actor. He, he he had did a few incredibly lines. in that role. He had a he few lines. He was wonderful. He had very few lines. I want to say maybe a handful in the movie itself. Yeah. And then 
in chapter two, they bring him back as a zombie. Well, yeah, but then how could he, you know, obviously talk? And also, I think the reason that he was brought back as a zombie or that his fear was changed from from uh, mortality to zombies is because Pennywise can't manifest his mortality. But she can manifest as undead. That is that is true. Um, I know that it's been stated in several interviews and several articles that they had to cut so much out of the movie because it was so gruesome. Yeah, which I honestly... I think that, okay, this might be a really, like, not, like, unpopular opinion, but this is just my opinion, so I'm going to say it. I don't think that any other horror movie could ever be as gory or as um, gruesome, as bloody as Serbian film or as A Clockwork Orange. Not, because you can add, they could have kept that those scenes that they took out and it still would have been fine because at least it was not something that yeah, exactly you know? and like i agree um this is a popular opinion amongst everyone mm -hmm. who shares a love for this book and movie franchise the child orgy scene did not need to happen it really did it really didn't it didn't it really didn't it was unnecessary and, and you I know what there's a lot of Stephen people King is known for is his unnecessary attention to detail well um, not only that but unnecessary even, shock factors you're just reading page upon page about him describing the structure of dairy like the physical structure of the streets and everything and that is completely unnecessary in my opinion right but it's something that sort of paints a picture and i think that that's one of the things that I love about it is that it's so long and that I, it's so detailed. Right. Okay. But, I I love a book with details, but at some point the details get to be too much because then you're just reading, you're just rereading basically the same thing, but it's just been rephrased and stretched out. So I think yes. that he could have gone without as much detail. I mean, for him, it probably was a good move and that's fine. Um, for me, it just wasn't because I don't, I, I, I can't sit and enjoy a book that like for like three chapters is just about describing the town, the layout of the town. And, yes. um, I also think that, um, obviously I agree with you, you know, that child orgy scene did not have to happen. Um, but also it kind of makes you wonder what was Steven thinking adding it in, you know? Because, like, yes, he is known for his shock factor, but at the, I feel like that was going, like, even for him as this renowned art um, author and, you know, horror connoisseur, I, I think that for him it was too far, even for him. So I think another thing that I'd like to touch on about his shock factor and something I, as men as well as many other people that I've met and spoken to about this have the same opinion on is that they will cut scenes out that are too gruesome, right? Mm -hmm. But in It Chapter 2, they included the hate crime scene yeah. towards the gay couple yes. in the present tense. And I found that particularly in our day and age to be very, very shocking. And not only that, um, not just shocking, but also kind of distasteful. 
with everything yeah. that's going on with like that's still continuing I mean, to go on. As a queer person myself, mm-hmm. I found it to be unsettling and uncomfortable, but I do realize that I owe it to my community to be able to sit through things like that well, and to reflect on them. Yeah, you can reflect on them without needing to like watch it happen. You know what I mean? I don't know if that really it makes is sense to that anyone. It changes your brain chemistry, I believe, especially if you watch it at too young of an age. Yeah. Um, but so I think I think you're right because we were talking about this before we started the pot before we started, you know, recording this session. Um, I do think that you have a really great point when you brought up that Patrick Hawkstetter was kind of rewritten into other books. And yes, you can, you can, we can actually technically uh, say that about almost every character in it, right? Because this is, this was the book, you know what I mean? This was mm-hmm. the book that, ev- yeah, that this was his on the map book. Right. And because like, yes, that he I had, found... he had other books and he, and they were really good sellers. But as soon as he made it, that was kind of what blew that him up. That was the game changer. Yeah. That is what gave him his name. When you hear the name Stephen King, you don't think The Stand mm-hmm. or um, Thinner. You think It. Right. And I personally love It. It is one of my favorite horror novels. I... It is like top tier for me. And I know that a lot of people will say, oh, if that's like your favorite book, you're a messed up person. I, I don't think it makes you I don't, the detail. And I don't the think writing. it makes you a messed up person. Um, other questionable things within this book? Absolutely. Of course. But is absolutely. it wrong I mean, to King have it as known, your favorite? He's it's known not. as a very racist person. I mean, the N word is dropped like hard R very many times. And I yeah. can understand. Like trying to settle it as like, oh, it was written He's definitely... in a timeline of the fifties, but also he wrote it in in the modern side of the book, which right. is like the eighties, nineties era. Yeah, so obviously, and you like, know, it I was get the that peak that was still of, a very um... big thing. It's still a very big thing to this yeah. day. Racism has not gone away, and I do not want that to. To come across like I think it has, because it has not. It hasn't, um, no. And also I will this... say that it was a lot more outspoken. Yeah. And Stephen King, I could understand adding it here and there to make sure people know that you are aware of what kind of culture was happening at that point in time. But the way he drops it so... Casually? So casually Mm -hmm. and so forcibly right and also it kind of too it also like or the homophobic slurs at that like it's there's so much of it it's so much and it's so there right and and it also kind of uh correlates with the time that the book is set the original book is set obviously you know in the 80s 90s and um so the original book flips between childhood and adulthood perspectives. The childhood perspective was written to be in the summer of 1957 okay. and 58. Right. And the adulthood is supposed to be, I believe, 87 to 88 right. or 89 and to 90. And obviously, you know, something like the 50, that. you know, 1950 is kind of like the peak. Like we had just gotten out of World War II. Um, 
we didn't win. No, uh, we did not. You know, there was a, a civil war had happened, obviously, a few years, you know, not like a few, but like when I say a few, I mean like. It was closer in time to them than it is to us now. Right, right. And so, you know, all of those people, all of those men, especially uh, people of color, like black people or Latino people, um, that fought the world, uh, you know, the Second World War and then came back, you know, they were obviously subject to um, spitting, you know, people spitting in soldiers' faces and calling them slurs. And obviously, when you, when you, even when you flip back to the adulthood perspective, you're still at the height of, you know, racial uh, disparities. And, um, there's a lot, there was a lot of uh, KKK activity uh, going from the 80s to the 90s. And there's still a lot oh, of yes. KKK activity today. So do I, do I agree with Steven's choice to drop the N-word and slurs so casually? And often? No, I don't. I don't think it, it was necessary. Um, for me, I don't believe it was necessary, but it did make the book more real because that that was a, a huge part of that era, and it, it it would it would be wrong to ignore it. It would it would, as much as I hate it, and as much as I think that it's disrespectful and distasteful, um, it brings light to how it was back then and how it still is. I think it was definitely a very big literary choice that a lot of writers are going to have to face if they are trying to write within these time periods. And I understand that it can be a very difficult thing to write within these time periods. Especially if you're not um, a member, like, especially if you're not a person of color. Exactly. Right. Because, because if you, you don't, I don't think person, anyone wants to be It's portrayed. going to come across as disrespectful because that is not your word to write. Right. And I, I think that it's also especially difficult for um because if you're not if you yourself don't feel that you're a racist writer but you're not a person of color and you're writing a, a slur that pertains to said person of color that you're writing about i you know i can see where it comes across and i'm not defending people who choose to write that word because nine times out of out of ten unfortunately they are racist um yeah uh nine times out of ten they're a white man you know um I've definitely, while reading that book, I've read that book so many times that I could probably recite it like page to page. <laughs> I but love that. While reading that book, the first and second time through, mm -hmm. I read it for the first time when I was a very young child. Right. And yeah. there were words in there that I had never even heard of. Oh, wow. That my father had to sit me down and talk to me about. Right. Because... He had heard me ask him what one of them meant. Right. And, and it's obviously it it's a hard a conversation to have with the child. Because I was maybe seven or eight years yeah, old. Yeah, because you have to sit your child and down and explain to them, you know, why this word is important and why it, it came about and why it's a bad thing. And why it just can't be thrown around the way it is when you're right. reading something like that. Right. Why it's meant to be taken very seriously. Right. And my father had a lengthy conversation with me about that. Um, but it was a queer slur that was said hmm. during the modern day portion of that book. And I didn't understand what it was because I had never heard it before. Because I grew up in a household that was not very 
big on saying slurs around children. Right. Like, I'm sure that they were said, but Just I never not heard them within until I got older. Right. Well... Like, I'm sure they just waited until I was out of the room. Oh, for sure. Every parent does. Every single parent oh, does. yeah. Um, it was, this talk was actually really enlightening. And I think that um, within a different episode, we should uh, touch up, not on it, but definitely Stephen King as an author. Um, because there is a lot of interesting things about him as a, as a person and, and his writing that I think is really interesting. Um, however, after this, we're probably going to figure out a second episode. So for anyone who's watching this, if you want to go check out this book, I highly recommend it. However, you do have to be prepared because if you are sensitive to child sexual assault scenes or slurs, um, uh, we'll obviously put, you know, what chapters you, you can try to avoid, but um, you will be subject to having those kinds of topics within this book. So it's a very, it's a yes. very deep book. It's a very uh, shocking book. It is also a very long book yes. at a whopping 1,153 pages. Yes. Um, so... Uh, with that I being said, getting a hard copy. With that being said, uh, this has been Spooky Time Tea, and we'll catch you on the next episode.